Hello and welcome to the Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike DeLuke, and it's my mission to help you lead a happier, healthier, and more prosperous life, both personally and professionally. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Doc Podcast. I'm super excited to introduce my guest for this episode, Dr. Amy Jackson. Many of you already know Dr. Amy, but for those of you who don't, she's an orthodontist who's been in private practice in the San Antonio area for the better part of 20 years caring for patients. She obtained her DDS from the University of Texas, where she received multiple honors and awards, including the award in craniofacial biology from the IADR and the Dental Public Health Award for community service and recognition of her mission trips to Nicaragua to provide pro bono dental care to less fortunate families. Dr. Amy continued her specialty training for orthodontics at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, where she completed a master's degree through the periodontal department and was awarded the AAED's research grant for her work with mid-palatal implants. She also published an article in the Journal of Aesthetic Dentistry titled, A Comparison of Stability Between Delayed Versus Immediately Loaded Orthodontic Palatal Implants. Dr. Amy recently started an awesome company called Retainers for Life, or RFL, that serves as a third-party provider for orthodontic retention. We'll be talking much more about RFL and what it can do for you and your patients and your practice. Dr. Amy also enjoys spending time with her family and her colleagues, and she's passionate about optimizing her life and her practice. So with that, I present to you Dr. Amy Jackson. How are you doing, Dr. Dr. Amy? Dr. <laughs> I am amazing. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction. Um, made me, makes me sound a lot cooler than I actually am. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's impressive what uh, what you've done and what you do. So I, I, I want to thank you. I really appreciate you joining the Doc Podcast. Uh, finally excited to meet face to face and and get a time yeah. to. Uh, we've communicated a lot online, but nice to to sit and be able to chat face to face. Same here. Same here. Very impressed by you already and your setup. So super excited and honored to be here. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, so just to begin, tell me a little bit about your family, what your family life is like outside of uh, your role as an orthodontist and as CEO of, of Retainers for Life. Yeah. So um, I have been married now for 23 years to my college sweetheart. And uh, we have two amazing, wonderful children. Um, one is 18, our oldest, uh, Kate, who is headed off to Clemson here in a wow. week's time. Um, so she'll be starting her first year of college. And then I have a 14-year-old son who will be headed to eighth grade here in a couple weeks. And they definitely keep me on my toes <laughs> and keep me grounded at the same time. Um, so very dynamic home life, um, but fun. That's awesome. And, and congrats. That's great. Going heading to Clemson. That's, uh, I know. Uh, that's, I've had a few, um, patient, patient families, family, friends lately been saying that, that they're going to Clemson. Every, it, it really seems to be a, a, a very desired school right now. So that's, that's awesome. I'll tell you, it's a magical place. We went for orientation on July the 10th and it's a beautiful campus. The football stadium's right in the middle of campus. Um, the, the campus actually hugs the lake. And everyone there is just so friendly and nice. So it, it is an amazing school. And I know she's in for, for four years of fun. That's, that's, a, that's outstanding. That's, that's great. And uh, her little brother, I'm sure she's going to be missing her at, at, at home. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> so yes. my, my oldest is um, uh, going to be a senior and my, my younger daughter who's three years younger than her is already, already kind of getting sad for when her sister is going to be going to be gone. But I know it's exciting having kids a similar age. I, I know how busy that is. So again, makes it all the more impressive what you're what you're able to do. So um, tell me a little first, how did you first get interested in and involved in pursuing orthodontics? You know, it really was an accident. Um, my dad was the first person in his entire lineage to actually go to college and get a college degree. Wow. And so he was really the path that I was following. So I knew, I always knew I wanted to go to college, didn't really know what I wanted to major in. Um, and as a result, changed my major four times. 
Well. <laughs> Which I remind my daughter of. It's not you don't have to know ha, you don't have to know by eighteen what you want to do for the rest of your life. Yep. It's okay to still be figuring it out. Um, and I kind of hate it for this generation that they feel have so much pressure on them to decide what they want to do so mm-hmm. so young and so early. And and she definitely feels that stress and, and pressure. Um, but I was lucky enough to be able to change course, course correct, uh, refine what I was doing um, several times in college. And uh, the last semester I was there, I did an internship with a dentist, um, Dr. Starr, who was in Waco. I went to Baylor mm-hmm. and thought, you know, this really kind of checks all the boxes. I love the patient interaction. Uh, I love the interaction with the team. I like being a healthcare provider and help being able to help patients and also the tactile ability of of the hands-on feature of being a dentist. I thought, you know, this this kind of works with my personality and my skill set. And so I went to dental school with a plan to get out and practice general dentistry. And after my sophomore year, I spent the summer in a lab where uh, this lab was taking, looking for the lack of PAX-9 signaling factor, um, which, which relates to patients and families that are congenitally missing teeth, mm-hmm. um, and really looking to isolate that and help those families. And as part of care for those families was plugging in an orthodontic for an orthodontist for comprehensive care. And that was the first time I was able to see really the role that the orthodontist plays um, in dental health. Mm -hmm. And what I really loved about that is watching the orthodontist really quarterback the the care for these patients. And again, it was one of those just, ah, I think this also is is good for my skill set. I love working with other colleagues. I love helping people. And and that seemed to check all the boxes for me. So that's when I turned the corner and decided I was going to specialize. And I've been very, very happy that I did. That's great. That's an interesting trajectory. You know, there's so many orthodontists like I've known I want to do this my whole life. And, you know, my dad did this or, you know, uncle. And uh, I love stories like that where you took a more circuitous path, but it, I think it told you for sure, helped you find that that's what, that was your calling. And that's, there's a lot to be said for that too. And uh, I agree with you having a daughter that age, it's just hard. There's so many choices. Um, And I know I feel blessed to have found a career that uh, even though I'm doing it in a little different capacity now, just, I'm still so passionate about orthodontics and what we do and the lives we can change. Uh, It's just such a cool, it's such a cool thing. And and I really am just, we're blessed to be able to do it. So uh, that's, that's cool. was a it's an interesting path. That's neat. Thank you for for sharing it. Um, yeah. So as far as your practice, just tell me a little more about how your practice runs. A little more about it. What are your typical days structured like? Are you doing more admin, more chairside combination? Yeah. So currently today, and it's changed a lot over the years. Um, my my professional life to this point definitely has not been a straight line. Um, So lots of ebbs and flows and changes and adding locations and adding associates and (laughs) taking them away and that sort of thing. But, but just talking about today, um, current setup is uh, I have four locations that span the North side of San Antonio and I have one partner. I am now down to by design uh, just working out of two locations, which is just, amazing, uh, makes my life a lot easier and, and more simplified, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work out of two locations, full-time patient care Monday through Thursday, okay. and then Friday I'm working on other projects, but um, definitely a, a very busy schedule coming off the heels of the summer. It just feels exhausting to be an orthodontist some days. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, that's current setup. Um I really love, honestly, the admin side of the practice. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate what we do in the clinic, and I'm very thankful for the skills that I have to help patients. But what excites me is the ability to look at the business and look at it through unique lenses and, mm-hmm. and find opportunities to improve the business, um, or the way that we all do things, the way that we've traditionally been doing things for decades. And so I really, the the admin side gets me excited. And so I tend to spend a lot of time working on admin just yep. because that's a, a, a personality fit for me at this time. That's great. And then with those practices, did you acquire them 
gradually? Did you buy a, a someone out who had multiple practices? How did how did that happen? Yeah, so great question. When I came out of residency, I joined a practice with two orthodontists who were 18 and 17 years my senior. Okay. And at that time, they had three locations. And so together, then we built a de novo with the plan to close one of the other locations that was closest to that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they, they put me in a, in a location that was their smallest footprint. And I quickly outgrew that, that location. I needed more chairs. I needed a larger waiting area. And so I built a, a, a brand new office and the plan was to close down that smaller office. But okay. um, for reasons that I'm sure you're familiar with, I had general dentist call me and ask me not to close it. We had patients say, well, I don't want to drive yep. two miles down the road. So ended up keeping that one open. Um, then there was a practice very close to where I currently live and was living at the time. And literally I could ride or walk my, I could walk or ride my bicycle to that location. And so mm-hmm. the orthodontist was a friend and I'd always put a bug in his ear and let him know, Hey, if you ever want to retire or leave that location, I please make me your first phone call. And, um, and so he did. And so that, so we grew by one more location. We ended up buying a practice in Austin and then we had a dissolution with one of the associates and he took one of the offices and we kept the other five peeled off Austin a couple years ago. And now we're down to just those four locations. Wow. It's, that, it's impressive. It's a competitive area too, from, from knowing that market uh, superficially, that that's impressive to be able to have that many practices running that well uh, for the, especially the younger docs, but for any of the docs listening, uh, what do you attribute it to? I know one of the things that obviously we both know is a challenge in our profession is becoming the practice that the patients desire to go to. And there's when you are that, um, and I found that in my own practice, once you, once you reach that point, your marketing, your advertising really becomes internal uh, because at that point, you know, the kids, they, they want to go to your practice or your office. And it clearly it sounds like the case that you have, have built multiple practices that, 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 that patients are seeking and desiring. What would you, or what are maybe the top few things that you would attribute that to? Excellent question. Um, so you're asking me for my secret sauce. Um, <laughs> well, you don't give it all away. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. So good. I, you know, I honestly don't believe there is any secret sauce. I think it's execution, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that we do so well and that work like magic. And then two years later, I'll look up and why aren't we, why aren't we making, why aren't we writing cards to the patients anymore? What happened? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, so that is all about, so I think success is about execution, um, but also having a team that believes in you because you have to be able to pass that baton to your office manager and say, Mm -hmm. okay, we're doing this. This is what I want to do. This is a good thing for the practice and the patients. Now I need you to make sure that the team follows through. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you take care of your team, then your team takes care of the patients Mm -hmm. and, um, and everything works. I don't necessarily believe that the patient is always right, but we do bend over backwards for our patients. And there's really not many things that we wouldn't do, um, to help provide and care for our patients in a, in a really caring way, in a loving way. Yeah. And so I, I think it's, I think it starts there. Um, I, I would not have had the success, success that I have had. I promise you without the amazing team that's around me. And one of the things that I noticed when I first joined the practice or came into practice that the doctor was so well-respected, you know, they're asking me, yes, ma'am, no ma'am with everything, every question they're asking me if they can get me lunch during lunch. I mean, they're wow. just <laughs> were a hundred percent catering to me, but I thought, you know, this is a bit of a broken system because I felt like they were taking better care of me than they were of the patients. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it, there was a bit of a mind shift um, that I had to create in them to make them understand that, that yes, I signed their, their paycheck, but the patient's pay their paycheck and to treat the patients in the way that they are the ones that provide for the salaries and their families and all of that. And I think once they understood that and we put the patient at the center of everything that we did, 
um, then everything, everything else worked. You know, when you take care of the patients that I always tell them, then everything, everything else takes care of itself. And obviously you have to provide excellence and care, um, and be available for the patients, but, but just putting them at the center of, of the practice makes a big difference. And then you have to ask, you have to, you have to be humble enough to say, if you had a good experience here, will you please leave us a review? Or mm-hmm. if you had a good experience here, will you, we would love to treat more friends and family just like you. And when you ask in a genuine way, they will reciprocate. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's awkward at first. I found when I started doing that, you, know, you kind of, it's outside the comfort zone, And but it, it it's huge. It's I had a professor way back in dental school at Stony Brook over well, 20 three years ago that was uh, we had him and he would talk about that. He was general dentist, but he did some sort of the, the little bit of business education we received. He did one little course, but uh, he would always talk about that. I remember sitting there like, that's just corny. You know, why would you ever ask? But when you get into practice and you, you get that compliment and you can follow it up with well-scripted asking for a referral or, you know, if, if, Oh, if you know anybody else and, and, and scripted appropriately, or we would have some cards sometimes little referral card, little cards that would say for a Google review or for, um, uh, giving us praise, you get the, it was a great way for some of the clinicians, our front end team didn't need it as much, but if they weren't quite as well-versed at the scripting, or they just was a little more awkward for them, especially some of the younger team members, they could just hand the card and say, Oh, if you ever know anybody who would be interested. And again, those little tricks, you might only get one person out of 10, but that's one person you wouldn't have had. So I think that's a great point and on the patient centered side. That's how I built my practice from the ground up. It was completely just focusing on the patient and the team, you know, those, those two things, <clears throat> excuse me, going hand in hand, building the right team of people who would care for the patients and then helping the team understand that it's all about the patients. Um, I used to say to my team, sometimes when we'd have those days, they say no patients, no problems, you know, and, and, and no, and no job. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yes, they, they create some problems sometimes at the same time without them, without those problems, we're, we're not here. So, um, it's yeah. always, just kind of, we would laugh about that as, as a team. That's great. I think, I think the more I, see doctors that are building practices or have established practices that are successful, the formula, no matter how they go about it, because it's a little different for everybody, the formula comes down to um, taking care of the patients and treating their team well. And I think if you do those two things, um, it, it's amazing what what you can achieve. You you can achieve almost anything uh, in, as far as okay. the success. I, I agree. So I'm not surprised to hear that's what you're doing. And um, it just, I think, speaks further to those who are listening that if you can can focus on that, please do, because it'll, it'll alleviate a lot of your other challenges. Um, one thing that we had communicated about, and I'd love to, to pick your brain more on, is the post-treatment consultation. So <clears throat> it's funny because you had mentioned it's something you do in our communication and it's something that I've been a huge believer of, and and I'm actually going to be doing a podcast down the road on it because I'm such a big believer in it. Uh, tell me a little bit about what yours looks like. Um, how long does it take? What do you review? Do you do it? Is it delegated? And, and why you feel it's important? Yes. Yeah, so we implemented this about three years ago in the practice, and it's been very beneficial for us. The way that we handle it is two appointments before the patient gets their braces off. They have what we call a post-treatment consultation. Okay. And the appointment before that, the patient is given a sheet that says, um, well, actually, it's called treatment wrap-up. We changed the name recently. So our, our post-treatment is called treatment wrap-up. And it is done ideally with my treatment coordinator, Although if they have an outstanding balance, it's ideally done with my office manager. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really valuable because it allows the patient in a private segregated area to be presented with additional upgrade options that we have, one being retainers for life, one being bleaching, the other being gingival uh, recontouring. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity for us to... Um, bring an additional revenue stream into the practice, but do it with somebody who's comfortable talking about finances. Um, It also is a, is a chance to get them caught up on 
on their account and or we give them the ability to pay off their account for a small discount if they owe more than $500. Interesting. Um, okay. So it's just a really good financial checkup, but also it's a good conversation with the family yep. um, about how important post-treatment is mm -hmm. and how our office offers some of these unique upgrades, which is a benefit of being a patient of our practice. That's great. That's actually an interesting, I'm glad you explained that. That And there are some things I was missing uh, when I when we would do it. We had a, a little bit different approach. We would do it at the end, but I like the proactive side. And we would lead them in and kind of explain to them that this was what was coming. We had systems in place where if there was a delinquent account and how that would, would proceed. But I love the, the concept of proactively taking that step as a system that your whole team knows and is prepared for. And then do you have a separate appointment code that you use, or is it reviewed in your morning huddle? How do you guys know who gets that service that day? Yes, it's a separate appointment code and it goes on the schedule um, as an actual appointment. Got it. Um, and that's very important because we want the parents to be there. If the parents yep. aren't there, then uh, it's a lost opportunity. Um, so it is scheduled as an appointment, which makes it difficult, right? That was the hardest thing about the implementation. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's the ability, neither of my treatment coordinators could do this, but if, if you could take the new patient exam, shrink it to 45 minutes instead of an hour, then that would give several 15 minute blocks to have these, um, <laughs> treatment wrap up conversations. Yep. Um, but we haven't been able to do that yet. Um, yep. so it's really just when we have openings or overflow. So it is a, Right now, it's still a bit of a stressor stressor on the schedule, but okay. it's important enough to to have them that we're working through that. That's uh, agreed, and it's so funny when I talk to colleagues. No matter where we practice, in terms of a demographic sense or type of practice we have, we we all have similar, very similar, if not the same pain points. And that was always the hardest part was how you fit this into your schedule and your team schedule to be able to account for that and make sure that it it doesn't get missed. But I I love it. I think those are the proactive steps that we all need to be thinking about in our practices um, because if you miss those opportunities. It's so easy, you know, I think in our profession, we, we put so much around the, the D-bond and that's the day and that's the celebration. And it's almost like we're really excited to kind of get them out of the office. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I just mean we're busy and it's like that's one more body that's now out so we can bring another body in and and we don't yeah. want them cluttering up sort of our our practice. I actually went to the point where uh, it started during COVID and then I just kind of extrapolated it into everyday practice after where I would not even give them need a, a follow-up retainer check for patients after uh, not saying that was the right way to go, but it was, if they were a compliant patient through treatment, we were like, well, why are we having them come back in, in three months to check them? We just give them a sheet that says go to nights only in three months. And we had a system in place to track that. So again, that sense of let's get that patient not to come back in again. And, and looking back, I, I think I, that's not, that's not necessarily the best thing. So speaking of that with retention, it sounds like that is a really nice way that you transition them into that retainer phase. And it also sounds like, and in speaking with you and communicating with you, you have had a sense for a long time and before retainers for life, that that retention phase is a phase, not just a, a stop point. Um, and that it's a relationship, not just a, here are your retainers, you're gone. So it, it, if that's has been the case, um, I'd love to hear more about why you've always felt that and what made you feel that, which, cause I do feel it's quite different from a lot of us uh, who do look at retainers as like the end. Right. And I did the same thing in the first decade of practicing after I had that last retainer check, it, we really kind of drop kick the patient out the door and good luck. If you mm -hmm. need a new retainer, call us. It's yeah. going to be $300 for each of those. Right. And, um, and we've really learned the hard way that that, that was not successful and right. not really the best for the patient. The problem is we don't have capacity to continue to see the patients year after year after year once right. they're in that post-treatment phase. Um, so we have to get smarter about, 
staying connected with those patients, but not creating a burden for our schedule. And that was really one of the reasons why I started to look at post-treatment differently because um, A, those patients, they, I, I, I care for those patients and I want their teeth to stay straight. Um, the, the nature is that at some point patients are going to stop wearing their retainers and that's fine. Um, but the hard lesson that we've learned is through these direct to consumer aligner companies, and they have taught us that patients will relapse at some point. Um, actually Shannon Patterson said in a lecture the other day that 75% of our patients at some point will relapse. They will have some shifting. And we know statistically that 80% of those patients are going to a direct-to-consumer aligner answer instead of going back to their original doctor. And so if there is a way where we could relink the chain that got broken at some point and consider them an alumni of our practice, Mm -hmm. somebody that we can still service in post-retention, again, minimizing the burden on our schedules um, that's a good thing. That's a good thing for our practice. That's yep. a good thing for community care. It's a, the best thing for the patient. And I would much rather these patients be retreated with an orthodontist than ordering some aligners that get shipped to them in the mail. So um, the good news is there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to still care for these patients. Mm-hmm. There's an opportunity to put it into business terms to still make revenue from these patients. The mm-hmm. lifetime value of these patients goes up dramatically mm-hmm. if you can relink the chain and stay connected to them. So that's one of um, one of the North Stars of Retainers for Life is changing that dynamic and doing all of the marketing and those touch points for the doctor so that when that patient needs retreatment or has just one tooth that they want to move, mm-hmm. that they think about their or their original orthodontist first and we funnel them back to to their doctor. Yeah, it's 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 such a, a brilliant approach and it's so counterintuitive. Again, it's just we're just kind of just taught. It's one of the many dogmas in our profession, which with what I do with doc and a lot of the teaching, I try to break a lot of those dogmas, but here I, you know, I'm always willing to look critically at myself. And it's one I followed kind of just hook, line and sinker, like, great, they're done, move on, you know, hopefully they'll call if something's wrong and, uh, and they'll wear them well. And I was super passionate about my results and, and, and took tremendous pride in, in the smiles I created. Um, at the same time, I wasn't linking that. I love the, 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 the term as so them looking at them as an alumnus of your practice and that you have all these alumni out there and they're still ambassadors of your practice and, and your brand. And if you can keep in touch with them and take away some of the shame and, and embarrassment if they don't wear the retainer perfectly, um, because many don't, and we know that. And um, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's 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 a really, really again counterintuitive, but but really brilliant approach to thinking about something that we have just thought about one way, a totally different way. And is that? What led you to start? Explain a little bit more about how you went from having the mentality of continuing to engage your patients in the retention phase, uh, how that evolved into, if it did, retainers for life. Yeah, so it really started, um, that was just something that I realized working inside of retainers for life. Um, that I thought, oh man, this is even better than I thought it was originally. Interesting. Okay. Um, because this is something that we can help doctors with. The Retainers for Life concept came about just through patient experiences. And there was one patient in particular, my son's best friend, mm-hmm. who had finished phase one and had a Holly retainer. And within the first month, he lost it. He came into the office, and mom is standing next to him, who is a friend of mine. And she said, you know, he lost it. We don't know what happened to it, but he, and he just had a birthday, a birthday and a birthday party, which we attended. And she said, he's going to have to use his birthday money to buy a new retainer. And I just, and it's not the first time it happened, but it definitely hit home um, during that conversation. The, my son's best friend is upset. Mom is frustrated. I'm the bad guy. Um, and so I, I just, I I knew that there had to be a better way to go about this replacing retainers. And so I put my noodle to work and really came up with a way that made it easier for patients to replace the retainers. And more cost effective. So Larson didn't have to come out of pocket $300. Um, It would be $40, whatever the the cost is um, 
wholesale pricing for him to replace the retainer for mom. Mom at that point is happy to pay $40 for a retainer, not so happy to pay 300, 350. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And, and that, again, talk about the truths across our entire profession. We've all felt that we've all been there. I mean, even my practicing for six months, you've, you've dealt and took into a practice that it was already busy. Um, obviously you've started a new practice. You're not dealing with a lot of retainer issues, but anybody who's had a handful of retention patients has felt that and it's awkward. It never ends well. It doesn't feel good for anybody. Uh, everybody's frustrated. Everybody's upset. There's tears from the kids. There's anger from the parents. And you just like, you did all this work. Everything went so well. And, and now you've got this on your hands in the middle of a busy day. And it's even worse because of the personal side when it happened to me many times where you know them, they're family friends, they're family or family friends. And you just, you just, <laughs> you just, uh, I, I just, I hated those encounters. So I think that's another great part of the retainers for life concept is it gives them a way to not have that be as painful uh, of, of an experience. Um, as an aside on retainers for life, just in full disclosure, I have been using retainers for life for going on two years. Um, I love it in, as many people on this platform know, or listening to the podcast, I transitioned my practice from private practice, which I was in for almost 20 years, built and ran my practice to, uh, going into coaching and teaching full time. And one thing that's a challenge when you do that, um, is you, have to figure out how to care for those patients. And even though I ended up finishing every single patient I, I started, there were a lot of patients who were loser break retainers and they'd have these issues. And at that point I wasn't in the office as much, but I had all their scans going back. I started scanning back in 2017 and uh, end of 2016. So I happened to see an ad you guys, I was traveling and I happened to see an ad for retainers for life. Literally I had just been at the office and had three calls come in before I got on the plane uh, for patients who needed new retainers made. And I couldn't be there. My, I didn't have full-time staff there. So I'm like, I had to tell them I, I can't do it, but I had their digital scans literally sitting there and it broke my heart because I had to literally drive to the airport. So I get on the plane, I look and I see this ad. I'm like, retainers for life. I'm like, wait, maybe this could this could be something. So that's how it actually started for me. And it was such a godsend for me because it gave me a way that from Florida, as I was transitioning to moving down here and starting my teaching and coaching, I could have a remote way when patients called to have new retainers made and sent to their doorstep. And and patients loved it. And you know, it's not easy. You know, we don't think everyone transitions out of their practice differently. But some people do just slow it down as I did at the end of mine. And when you do, one of those things is what do you do with the retention patients? Where do they go? And especially if you're scanning, it's just such a no brainer to do to, to do something for them in retention, such as retainers for life. Um, and it just made it, it made it easy. And it still does. I mean, just this week, I've had multiple patients, literally, um, your team has let me know so-and-so enrolled, so-and-so enrolled. Um, we have some, one of the patients I treated, I was like, he was earlier in this, when I took the scan. So I took his brace off in 2017. Um, and it's great because he would have had to find another orthodontist, uh, go to that practice, get in. It's summer still up in upstate New York. It's, it's the busiest time right now. It's hard. And I just, I, 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 it pained me to think that I was putting my patients through that. And it just gave me such peace of mind that I could say, Hey, look, you can do this and, and you're going to ultimately get retainers at your door within the next, you know, five to seven, 10 business, business days. Uh, and patients have really been grateful and I've been grateful for it. So, uh, thank you for, for creating that platform that we could, we could do that in your team. And I've, I've told you this separately, but I, uh, not just saying it, your team is phenomenal. Uh, they are just the top of the line professional. They're attentive. They are responsive. It is literally some of the best customer service I've experienced in in almost 20 years of starting and running a practice. And, and I'm particular and and um demanding of of the services that I'm that I'm receiving. And and they just they just make it easy. Um they're just easy to deal with across the board. So I want to just praise you and them publicly for that because they they are wonderful to deal with. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. And such a great story. I mean, this is what has been so exciting about the brand is we're helping doctors in all different states and stages. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's built for. And again, it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. If you really are focused on the patient and caring for them and doing what's best for them, 
this is what they want. I mean, can you imagine going back to pre Amazon and before Uber and Instacart was available? I don't want to go back to those times. It has really helped my life. And um, that's the goal here is we want patients. It's a burden for them to come back to your office and get replacement retainers. It's a burden to drop models off at your office. They want an Amazon like experience with people that they can call um, and care for them on the other end of the phone too. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's great. And it, again, one of those things that just coincidentally happened and I was so upset. Um, one of the families, I treated four kids and <laughs> some with multiple phases and to have to tell them, I'm sorry, I, I can't make, I mean, it just, it, it, it breaks your heart. You know, we care about these people. As you said, these are our patients and they're, we get close with them and their families and uh, it just really bothered me. And then literally within hours, I see that and it, that's was history. And um, yeah, so it's been, it's been really cool. been very, very neat to, to experience um, overall retainers for life. Just kind of, how's it going? I mean, how, how would you say starting any business is as any of us who run practices know is not easy. There's obviously a lot of challenges, but what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges and what would you say have been some of the most pleasant surprises that you've encountered along the way? So challenges are really the the fact that patients are receiving retainers, we like to say in the bathroom, they're getting it in the mail, but they're, they're receiving them in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And when they put them in, if anything feels off, if they feel tight, if they're hurting their mm-hmm. teeth, there's this tendency to overreact. And, you know, traditionally we're delivering retainers in an office with somebody there holding the patient's hand and telling them it's okay if it's tight, uh, it's okay if it's loose, if it's, it's okay if it's bouncing on the second molar, it'll settle. Right. Um, There's no doctor there or clinical team member there reassuring the patient that everything is okay. They just need to take some Advil and wear it through the night or use some chewies you know, so that that has been challenging. Um, so we get in front of that with a lot of education, mm-hmm. videos before they receive their retainers um, to really help minimize that. Obviously, the patient can always go into their doctor and have it adjusted or have it polished or have the doctor hold their hand and tell them it's okay. But we're trying to not burden our doctors with extra appointments. Yep. So that's not ideal. Um, but that's always uh, an option for the patient if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I would say the, the exciting things have just been the adoption and how thankful patients are for the service. Mm-hmm. They really mm-hmm. are so thankful yep. that they can replace the retainers at cost and have them shipped to where they are. We've shipped some on vacation. We've shipped some many to dorm rooms. Mm, dorm rooms are uh, huge. Oh my God, so many kids in college, the parents are panicking yes. and they're like, I don't know an orthodontist where their school is. And we're like, don't worry, we're going to send it right to her. They're like, wait, what? Yes. <laughs> and then what would you say have been some of the things that have been a challenge as far as getting doctors to embrace the concept? I mean, all of us, um, we get... We get very dogmatic and we're very ritualistic and we like to do what we like to do and, and change is hard for us um, in our practice lives and and it's hard for our teams. So I, I'm guessing that you've probably faced some resistance from doctors saying, I, I, my team, we don't need one more thing to track and one more thing to try to, to uh, know what's happening with. How do you overcome that to help them see that this is such a value add for their practice? Well, you know, I'm a doctor. So I know how crazy and busy it can be inside the practice. And the last thing that I would want to do is burden the doctor and burden the team. Mm -hmm. And what, what our goal is, is to make everything easier for the team. The team now doesn't have to make a single retainer. Uh, If you have a lab tech, I had my lab tech leave. I didn't need to replace her. Um, That is a benefit to the practice. And so, (laughs) so my, yeah, my team love it because they don't have to make any retainers and they're seeing fewer retainer emergencies and we automate everything for them. So there's no work that the doctor or the team has to do. Mm -hmm. It's really just learn where to push the scan to how to communicate the benefits to the patients. And then 
and then the, the program, I don't like to use the term sell, but it sells itself mm -hmm. because eventually the patients will hear other patients say, oh, I'm so glad we got that retainers for life program for Johnny. We use it all the time. He loses his retainer all the time. And then it just becomes part of your system. Um, so we, we, we try to make everything as easy and done for you as possible. And you guys do. I can speak to that again as, as a, um, a, a happy customer and someone who has, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of patients have enrolled, but lots. Uh, and, and I mean, I don't know if we've, I really don't know if we've ever had a complaint. I mean, you know, not that something doesn't go wrong here there, that's life, but, but your team takes care of it. They make it right. And, and the patients are happy. Um, and I agree. I mean, the, the actually, my situation was a little unique, but I would have loved using it. Even you know, one of the, especially over the summer, you start getting those college kids coming home and you get those calls starting right in mid May from, for retainers and it can overwhelm your team, your systems. We did all our retainers in house. And, you know, I had high school kids I brought in previous patients I brought in to be in the lab, but you know, you're pumping out. I mean, just, just dozens and dozens of retainers a day in a summer between your D bonds and, and, and loss and broken retainers. So, um, taking that out of your hands is, is a huge, huge, uh, stress relief on, on the team and on, on your resources really. Um, the other thing I, I neglected to mention before that I love about it is I still get to design the retainer. I still get to say what material to use. I look at the chart. I see if this patient was in a C plus or if they had one from grinding or how many they've gone through when the last time they went through one was. Um, you can do a lot of it virtually. They can send you pictures. And we all know there's nothing worse. And actually, I'm going to be doing a podcast on this too down the road about the scripting I recommend that was really helpful for my team and I, when you get that patient that first calls with a retainer that may have an issue or may not fit as well, or maybe cracked or broken, because I think all of us can speak to the fact that when you're in the office and you don't put doctor time in that visit. And for us, it was on the walkie. I get the message like Dr. Mike, so-and-so's in chair five and mom's flipping out. And they said that he's worn the retainer and, and it's the teeth, it's not fitting. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, I, I can't go deal with that right now. So there's some really cool scripting we've developed to help uh, our front end team head that off at the pass and figure out ahead of time, all of those things. And it worked wonderfully. We would have obviously just incorporated retainers for life into that as an option for them. But now you know they can send a picture on their phone. You can look at it remotely. If you can keep that headache out of your office, especially uh, during the busy summer hours, I mean, just, it's just, it's just great. So that's been really nice to have the control over it still, where I know I'm giving them the retainer they need as far as the material and the design and then blockouts and pontics and so forth, but also not have to have it happen in the physical office space. So, um, you know, that's, that's great. Yes. And I will definitely be listening to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really, you I know, another, go ahead. Yeah, go. another one that would be really helpful is those Invisalign patients that just go on and on and on. Um, I know, that's a pain point for me. And I need a system to just say, okay, we've been doing yep. this for three years. This is the, this is the stop point or the point where you're going to have to start paying me again to care for you. Yes, that is a great point. I will make a note of that one too, because that is something we struggle, you know, everybody struggles and we did develop some really cool systems um, for that uh, proactively because we, as we know, when we get, when you get there, everybody's frustrated kind of like with the lost or broken retainer, right? When they're in your, when they're in your office and you try to break that news to them, tempers tend to flare, but if proactively you have the scripting, um, it, it ends up being, being much better. So uh, on that scripting side, how does it work for a doctor who's interested in it and saying, geez, this sounds kind of cool. Um, I'd like to take that out of, you know, and, and, finding great team members, team members who can make retainers. And that's all harder now. So they say, yeah, this sounds great to outsource that, but still have control over it. But what does it look like for me from a cost perspective, uh, from a, how do you script it? Is it something you put in your TC presents at the beginning of treatment? Do you do it during treatment? I know you referenced the late treatment conference as well. Um, is it just meant for like what I typically did, which was after the fact um, because of my unique situation. So what is sort of your recommendation for doctors who are thinking about this as far as how they could implement this into their practice? Oh yeah, so great question. I think the first thing is if they're interested is to reach out to the team. Um, and if this is a good fit for your practice, which I don't know why it wouldn't be, but mm -hmm. if, if, um, if you decide that it is, then uh, we understand the doctor patient, the doctor staff, uh, dynamic. 
And so we start by doing a Zoom call with the team okay. and get them really excited and, and, and showing them love so yep. that they get excited about this instead of, oh, this is Just one huge. more thing that doctor wants to do and everybody's yeah. rolling their eyes <laughs> and how much extra work is this going to be for exactly, me? Exactly, right. Um, so we want to let them know, like, look, we're taking work off of your plate and we're going to pay you to make your life easier. And yeah. I think once they grasp that, mm -hmm. then they're excited for us to come in and train. Um, we do training for two days. The first is intensive training so that everybody understands our systems. We practice the scripting. And then day two is the team shadowing just to make sure there aren't any, any questions. Okay. We act as a guardrail to be there to help them through whatever, whatever hiccups that they might have. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really the place to start. Um, as far as presenting in the office, the doctors, this is really, the, the program is built to be whatever the doctors want it to be. Okay. Uh, however, there are best practices. And so we really like to emphasize if you'll do it the way that we suggest, you're going to have more conversion and more success inside mm -hmm. the practice. Sure. And so currently what I'm doing is I'm presenting at the beginning and I'm rolling it into patient contracts. And that has been really successful. Okay. What it does is it allows the patient to lock in the price um, of the membership. So mm -hmm. it, they're not paying a higher price that, that they might pay in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. And just sorry um, for a second, but just so people know, there's that membership price, which is what the patient pays to enroll in the program. And then there's the retainer price that they pay when they lose or break or need a new one. Exactly. I like to describe it with two companies that we're very familiar with. Uh, one would be Costco or Sam's. You pay a membership Mm -hmm. for uh, access to wholesale pricing. Yep. And so basically that's what they do. They pay a membership fee. It's one time. They can pay it off over time. They can pay it in a lump sum, whatever works for them. And then that unlocks wholesale pricing of the retainers. Yep. So then when they're ready to order a retainer, whatever the wholesale pricing is at that time, um, that's what they'll pay instead of mm -hmm. paying retail, which is 250 to $800 a retainer per Google. Um, so definitely the, the, the membership pays for itself after the first lost retainer. The parents are savvy. They get it. They understand it. And they see the value in, in just paying one time. Yeah, we used to have patients, parents ask all the time, uh, proactively, um, well before Retainers for Life was in existence to say, is there like an insurance program for retainers or can I pay ahead and, and, you know, and then get them unlimited? I mean, it was something, as you said, they're savvy. They, they think about this stuff because they're having those consumer experiences and other things they do. Um, we right. always just tended to get kind of stuck in our mindset of no, this is, uh, they're one-offs, um, which is again, where I think it's such a, such a valuable thing. And I like that presenting it initially, rolling it in, having it be something they can invest in, pay out over time. Uh, and then they have, have that. How do the fees work and how often do they change as far as the enrollment and the fee? I know you guys just went through a bump. It was initially 39. It's up to 43. I know the enrollment fee is a little uh, different. I know the number off the top of my head, but you get, they get a coupon code with, with, a, with a partner practice. Um, but how much are doctors talking about here as far as incorporating it into the, um, the patient's treatment? Yeah. So, um, you know, we started when I started with Retainers for Life, we were only only selling at the end of treatment. Um, but we definitely see the value in allowing patients to pay over 18 months or 24 mm -hmm. months because yeah, it just agree. makes it more affordable for their monthly budget. Yep. Um, and so that's really why we we shifted. And, and in my practice now, even it's a sandwich effect. So we present it as an option in uh, the new patient consultation, but it's also presented in that treatment wrap up and chair side. Okay. Um, so we're getting conversions at the beginning and then also at the end. My dream is that practices just say, you know, this is what we do here. This is your smile protection mm -hmm. plan because yep. we care about you. Sure. And that lowers the monthly, it, it, it makes it more affordable for families. And that's the goal because we do see the value and benefit of it. So again, that's the dream, but it's, it's taking a while to get there. Yeah, no, I, I can see where that would be a, a bit of a hard sell for some, but I can see having used the product where if you can just make it part of a line item that you add in, 
Um, it's just what you do. And uh, I, yeah, I think a lot of parents have heard enough horror stories about lost and broken retainers and with social media now and people seeing stories of friends and just or random people that have these issues uh, that almost makes it easier for us to say, look, we want to protect that smile. As you had mentioned, the scripting, you know, we like, we have alumni of our practices. We're not just booting you out the door uh, at the end. It's important that we protect all this work you're going to invest in and protecting that investment. And it's not a line. It's not sales. It's true. We want to, what good are we doing if we're not protecting the investment and the smile that we created? Um, and I think there's a big, messaging uh, factor there that in our, for our whole profession, I think we need to do a better job of uh, working to protect our patient smiles that we create um, than instead of just looking to finish treatment and think we're, think we're done. So. Honestly, our profession is such a group of caring individuals and yep. I know the orthodon all the orthodontists that I know care about their patients and they want to do the best by them. And this yep. really is doing the best by them. And the other thing I'll tell you is the easiest sales. Again, I don't like that, that term, mm -hmm. but, uh, in the new patient exam, it's the siblings that already have the program mm -hmm. or the adults. The adults want a fresh retainer. They want new ones. Yep. They want to be on auto ship and the siblings literally mom is like, um, we're doing retainers for life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> yes. You can start paying for that immediately. Not to worry. Yep. That's uh, I can see how that it starts to just take off and, and grow and snowball as a culture in your practice, uh, the more you you do it. And then just like any we implement, right, it becomes your your team embraces it and then it just starts to take off from there. So it's great. No, it's, it's it's I'm excited for for that product to continue RFL and the, the concept of lifelong retention to be incorporated in from the beginning. I think it's just a great concept. It's brilliant. And the way you're implementing it is, is really effective. So um, one thing we have found patients ask about is what happens if they're not around anymore? You know, people say like, well, okay, great. Well, I pay the enrollment fee. And what if I don't use it for five years, but there's no one there to make it anymore? Um, what, what scripting do you provide for that? Well, one of my assistants said it best when she said, they're not making the retainers for free. Um, so <laughs> if you're, if you're paying for a product, there's always going to be someone willing to take your money to make the product for you. Yep. Um, so I, I understand where the question comes from and it's a, it's a valid question, but mm -hmm. there will always be somebody available to make replacement retainers for these patients. Yep. Okay, great. Um, Last one on retainers for life. Um, what what lies ahead? What what's what's on the horizon? Uh, what what can practices expect to be seeing in the coming months and years? Uh, well, so many exciting things happening. Uh, we've been working on our digital platform for several years now. It is just going to be so great for the consumer. Um, they'll be able to order that you know from their phone. Oh, cool! Super easy for for the That's team neat. as well. We've got some new designs of retainers that we're currently um, patenting, um, which oh, is cool. very, very exciting. Um, so there, there will be some unique designs that only our, our doctors will be able to benefit from. We are, uh, we've got some new products that we're going to roll out here in Q4. Um, so stay tuned for, for those new products that are being demanded by the patients and the practices. So as, as we talk about constantly, we're always listening to mm -hmm. our doctors and to our consumers and adjusting according to what they're demanding from us. And this was definitely a need and a demand. And we are growing like gangbusters. We are expanding into Canada, New Zealand, uh, Australia, Asia, Japan, wow. and the U.S. market is, is seeing the demand rise. And our numbers are just blowing up. So it has really been an exciting ride. And uh, with growth comes pain points, but mm -hmm. we are we are ready for the challenge and just excited to see people like you seeing the benefit and talking about it and spreading the word. And as you know, the orthodontic community is, as I said, a caring community, but a small community. Mm -hmm. So you have doctors that are happy with products. It spreads like wildfire. Yep. If you have doctors that are unhappy with products, <laughs> that yep. can it can do the same there. So um, just like I know your podcast is blowing up, um, we're experiencing the same thing. So it's it's an exciting time, and it's fun. It's fun to watch people 
who interact with my platform that I never would have had a contact with or communication with that reach out to me or take a course. And it's just such a, a neat thing to experience. Um, because as you said, it's a, it's a small community still at the end of the day, the orthodontic community, even internationally is pretty small. And, um, and so it's, it's neat when you can have, um, connections and contacts within that community to help you be better and get better at what we do every day. So, um, that's, that's great. Uh, on kind of a, a similar note, but, but a little bit different, what you do every day, a lot of people by now are probably wondering how you do what you do every day as <laughs> running four, four practices, an associate, having your challenges, starting a new company, uh, being founder and CEO of a successful company that has all sorts of challenges outside of just orthodontics, but is also tied to orthodontics, a mom, um, a wife. I mean, how, how do you do it? Um, a lot of patience and a lot of prayers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, my life is not easy, but I will tell you, I'm kind of wired for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have experienced with myself that the busier I am, the more structured I am, the more I, I more efficient I am, the more I get done. It's those lazy days that I'll look up and it's six o'clock and I haven't accomplished anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so being busy fits into my personality um, and helps me um, helps me stay on track. So, and I also, I love a challenge. I love new things. Um, I love meeting new people. So all of the busyness kind of feeds again, my mm-hmm. personality and, yep. and my personality type. That's, that's awesome. Um, well, kudos to you for doing it and, and doing it all well. So that's, that's awesome. Um, last question, uh, as you probably are aware, a big part of the doc platform is looking at developing goals, setting a vision for yourself and your life, uh, and, and starting to pursue that. A lot of the recent motivational Mondays have been on that. Where do you see yourself in 20 years? Just whatever comes to your head as far as kind of what your place you want to be is. Well, in 20 years, I'm going to be almost 70. So I would like to be putting my feet up a bit and traveling more, (laughs) if I'm honest. Um, Although, again, working feeds me. So I will probably have my hand in a couple of different projects. Mm. Um, What's on the horizon for me next is I'm part of a local study group um, called the Legacy Study Club. And in that group is Jeff Rouse and Bill Robbins and Brad Beckel, who I work with uh, a lot on a lot of restorative cases. And I'm really going to be honing my skills on the diagnostics of airway issues mm, and, yep. and really working with that group to polish how we work together as an interdisciplinary team, um, but also yes. come up with some protocols as to what is the best treatment option for certain patients, meaning Marpies, SFOTs, are we doing aligners? Um, is it really the ENT that's going to make the biggest difference in this patient? And so I'm really just so fortunate that uh, I have those types of colleagues to learn from and stand on their shoulders to make me a better orthodontist. And, you know, it, this to me is really exciting for our profession, mm-hmm. just like Retainers for Life and mm-hmm. having alumni of our practice, um, which probably a lot of patients that I've treated in the past could benefit from these sorts of treatment because I wasn't looking through the lens of airway from the jump, right? Absolutely. Um, so. I'm still connected to those patients and I have the confidence in my ability to care for these patients and possibly eliminate some of the other mechanics that they are using to get quality sleep. Um, I, I, I'm going to take that challenge and I am going to, to see it as an opportunity. So that is really exciting to me again, because I just feel like I have the best to learn from. And this is something that all your listeners should know and and be excited about. After one of our meetings, uh, I was headed out of the meeting and Bill Robbins and I were talking in the hallway and he said, you know, the orthodontist is the key to everything. He's like, mm-hmm. you guys are the key to everything. So when when some of us are struggling with our practices and worried about consolidation and these direct-to-consumer aligner companies, there is a golden opportunity sitting right in front of us um, that if we spend the time and energy to understand and perfect is 
going to see all of us just soar. And that's exciting. I can't believe you're saying that because we've never <laughs> spoken about this. I literally say the exact same thing. I have told multiple people, even before I started doc and was, was going out to, to dedicate the rest of my life to teach this, a lot of it being airway in, in a lot of what I teach. Uh, I would say, you know, everyone gets so caught up in the do-it-yourself aligners and not that we don't need to be conscious of them and have fail-safes in place from our professional organizations to try to minimize, obviously, what they can do to patients in a negative way. But for as far as the threat to our practices, I'm like, we have these airway things right in front of us that we are just, again, I say the dogmas in a lot of my courses and and podcasts, early podcasts, um, shed an article in Orthotown. There's another one coming up in a couple of months where I talk about some of the approaches I took to phase one, to be able to diagnose and uncover kids who weren't breathing correctly, not diagnose them with sleep apnea, obviously outside our scope, but diagnose the, the symptoms that they have and understand what these kids are presenting with when they're not breathing properly, figure out to which specialists or specialists they need to see, allergy, ENT, get them the appropriate care for the treatment of their allergies and or obstruction of any lymphoid tissue, and then look at the symptom in the mouth, which in young kids especially is often crowding and transverse discrepancy in the anterior middle thirds of the arch, and don't be afraid to address it young in these kids. And I changed more lives. And I mean, I'm proud to say... I created some amazing smiles during my career. I don't think anything was as profound as some of the times I've just had parents in tears because their child's life was changed just because I went in and helped grow them and got them to the ENT. And now their kid is thriving, breathing, doing better in school. Uh, and I think unfortunately in our profession, it gets labeled as, oh, well, you're just doing it because you want to make money on phase one, or you're just doing it because, um, you know, you, uh, you're saying that phase one cures airway. No, no, no to both of those. <laughs> like, no, I'm providing the service in phase one, just as you provide a service to any patient that we treat because they need it. Number one. And as far as the second one of doing this because phase one solves airway problems. No, that's not at all it. But if you diagnose the airway problem, what's causing it and then make the appropriate referrals and then address the intraoral part to the the point you made about the orthodontist being at the center of it. I mean, I had such wonderful relationships, which they're going to be coming on with ENTs, allergists. They couldn't believe that I was picking this stuff up and sending these patients to them. And the parents were, and then they started sending me patients. They would present to them from, they might've even had another person. They were being followed by an orthodontics in, in, in their observation uh, protocols. And they'd be like, just, you got to go see Dr. Mike, you, you have to, because he's the only one who's going to do that. Now, it's not because I was the only one capable of figuring it out. Uh, certainly, or all of us as orthodontists are capable of this. I just was willing to step outside those dogmas and say, wait, there's another way to think about this. Um, and again, the story of how I stumbled upon it and came to it, I have in 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 my podcasts and um, in some of the content on my website, but it's crazy because I've never we've never spoken about that. Uh, and, and it's great to hear it excites me because, uh, I really feel that this is something that if we don't do it, the people, when I, I've given lectures on this at, at re local regional meetings of, of all, uh, providers and, um, like dental societies and so forth. And the pediatric dentists and the general dentists are the ones who come up to me afterwards and want to learn more. And they're the ones that are excited about this. And they're the ones that, understand it. The orthodontists walk out of the room and don't talk to me. And it's sad that that's the case. And I, I, I try to always put myself out there, but they, I, it's, I don't, I haven't figured that out yet. I haven't figured out why orthodontists are not willing to open their minds to this and mass, right? There's pockets, obviously someone like yourself, myself, but in mass, even if you post something in one of our online groups, it's just, there's a lot of hate out there towards people who think airway as an orthodontist. And I'm telling you, if we don't get the jump on this as the people who, who are the quarterbacks of this, someone else is going to, because it's, it's apparent to anybody who does this. Um, there were some great lectures this year at AAO, um, with 
regards to the science behind this. So it's cool. It fascinates me and it'd be a whole nother topic to go over. So I won't continue on it, but I think it's just a great way that our profession can make a profound difference in the lives of our patients. Um, and uh, it's, as you said, analogous to that sort of have just think differently, right? Think of your retainer patients as alumni. Well, think of your young kids as maybe they're not just crowded teeth and you just look at the teeth as the symptom. Maybe you have to look at the etiology of that crowding. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that that's really cool. So I will have to follow up more on that because that's something that I have uh, tons of data on and tons of, 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 uh, of patient cases on. So. Well, I love it. And I, I will just encourage you to keep spreading the word and educating. Um, and that's all you can do. Right. Yep. Um, and we're not saying that what we're doing is magic, but yeah. if we, if we are one piece of the puzzle that can help hedge the bets towards a healthy child, a yep. healthy adult, um, I would do that for my kids and I yep. would do that for myself. And so just to, to give the parents the option to make the choice, yep. Um, that's what we should be doing is educating them and giving them options. And that's a great point because I never told a patient or parent ever, if we do this, this will solve your child's breathing issues or so forth. I said, your child has a narrow arch. Your child has insufficient space for their teeth, insufficient space for their tongue. I can tell because of these factors, which again, won't go into now, but their mouth breathing, show them you know, the, the, on the 3D, the obstruction of the lymphoid tissue, so forth. This is what we can do about it. And it it and and they may improve their breathing because of it but it's not going to hurt their breathing these are things that will help them anyway so and lo and behold what happened 99.9% .9 of the time is these kids within like 4 to 6 months are different humans and when you see that maybe it's more profound when you're a parent i don't know but when you see these kids and it transforms their life it it, it impacts you it, it can't not impact you it, it you just you just start to say to yourself as you said I thought, oh my gosh, how many patients over the years before I started this approach? And this was probably 2011 to 2013 that I really got into this. Um, I said, how many patients before that did I miss this on? Um, and that's really why I've decided to devote the rest of my career to teaching because this is the main thing I want to get out there and and help our profession uh, understand what what we're missing and the opportunity we have to, to, to change our patients' lives uh, in, in a way that we just don't really know about yet. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's cool. Yeah. I so agree. well, tell everybody as we wrap up, um, where can they go and I'll put it in the show notes, but where can they go to learn about more about retainers for life and, and, uh, figure out more about it and, or schedule a, a, a meeting with your team. Yeah. So, uh, easiest place to go to, to, to get a feel for what we do is my retainers for life.com. Okay. That is the, the patient facing platform um, their platform is afterorthorevenue.com because it is revenue after you finish treatment with mm -hmm. the patient. Yep, um, so afterorthorevenue.com or myretainersforlife.com. And they're welcome to reach out to me directly via email or you, um, and we'll get them in contact. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. If anybody, um, listens to this and wants to reach out to me, I can certainly put you in touch with, with, uh, Amy and her team for sure. So, well, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I really, I can't thank you enough for, for your openness talking about this and, and helping educate our colleagues. That's what this platform is about for me is helping our colleagues learn more that will help them and help their patients and help their practices, uh, you know, to share your journey personally and professionally is, is awesome, um, to be able to do that. And I know people are going to find it inspirational and motivational, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds both for you and, and for RFL. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that, that journey. All right. Agree. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure and uh, it's been fun too. Yeah, cool. Same. I agree. It was, it was super fun. So well, uh, good luck with everything continued. And uh, yes, we'll be in touch on the, on the airway side of things going forward as well. <laughs> <laughs> Same to you. Thank All you, right. Mike. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for watching this episode of the Doc Podcast. Be sure to visit theorthocoach.com to get access to CE courses or schedule a private one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. And remember to join the doc community on Locals for more great content designed to help you succeed both personally and professionally. Just go to Locals and search for the doc community. You can also find doc on Instagram at at theorthocoach. And remember, you have the power to do amazing things.